Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Checkpoint Radio, an all-new fan-run video game podcast. My name is James. My name is Ben. I'm Connor. And I'm Charlie. And on today's show, it's a Checkpoint Radio Hall of Fame, where we'll be discussing the games that we think deserve to be immortalised, as well as looking back at some recent gaming news, so let's not waste any more time and get right into it. So before we start, I'd just like to say on behalf of us all, a big, big thank you to everyone who has listened to us so far. And if you're returning, then welcome back. If this is your first time with us, then a big shout out to you and a huge thank you for taking the time to tune in. Whether you're new here or not, if you like what you're hearing from us, then don't forget to follow us on whichever streaming platform you use so that you don't miss out on new episodes. And if you really like us, then why not leave us a rating and share this podcast with your friends and family too. We really do appreciate it. And if you didn't know, we have a community Discord server where you can come hang out and talk about games and even find a group to play with. So if you like the sound of that, then you can tap the link in the description of this very episode to join that Discord and see all of our other channels such as our YouTube, Instagram and the rest of it. We have lots planned for Checkpoint Radio and we'd really love for you to be a part of it. So with the housekeeping out of the way, welcome to episode two, gents. How are we? Very good. Very good. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. Good to know. So what's everyone been up to then? We've been playing any games at you? Anyone doing anything interesting? Other than working, I edited our first Valheim video that's now up on YouTube. Very good. That was lots of fun editing that. I went a bit crazy with the memes and the sound effects, but (laughs) hopefully if you guys want to check it out. There's some good ones in there. Yeah, Yeah. it is funny. I did make myself laugh if I don't sound too cringy (laughs) saying that. Um, Other than that, been playing a number of games actually, but I've been trying to narrow them down. I'll go through my little list. Atomic Heart. Really good. Highly recommend. Hogwarts Legacy. That's like my current objective to complete. I got invited to a game called The Hyenas and I got invited to the Alpha. That's really fun. Returnal. It's okay. Valorant. Good and bad as always. And uh, that's pretty much what I've been doing. Very nice. As well as being a dad. Yeah. You can't, you can't <laughs> stick to it. Oh yeah, well of course, that's a full-time thing. You can't, you yeah, can't, yeah. as much as you'd probably like to at times, Ben, I'm sure. You can't ditch those responsibilities. No, of You've got to do all the side quests, the DLC. Yeah. <laughs> it's an 18 year long campaign. <laughs> you're, in it, you're in it for the long run. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm interested uh, to know a little bit about the hyenas actually, because this is, this is a, it's a sort of PVP kind of competitive, almost yeah. game show type game that's a it is. so it. basically it's a pvpve first person shooter there's five teams of three all battling it out in this sort of quirky cool maps like different themes in each area of the map you're trying to be the first team to get 10k worth of this merch you then extract and only one team can extract so you have to fight to the death and it's really fast paced there's sort of zero gravity elements to it which are really fun the alpha was a little bit laggy at times but you'd expect that from an alpha but i Mm. feel like the game has got potential to do well but with the finals on the way and the finals is like a competitor to a competitor to this most definitely and Mm. i just feel like the finals is going to win that contest between the two in which one becomes the top dog so the alpha for the well not the alpha the beta for the finals is on the 7th of march so look forward to playing that the hyenas play like anything that's out at the moment it's kind of got a borderlandsy look with that cell Mm. shade um it plays a lot like shatterline maybe really fast paced tight corridors 
Um, it's kind of like a mixed bag of lots of games. Like, it is a good game. I don't know what the devs have done before. Oh, no, I do know what the devs have done before. It's from the devs of Alien Isolation, funnily oh, enough. Oh, wow. So good, good pedigree, then. That's a big change. Yeah, so... A real change of pace. Mm, but it's free to play. No release Love date that. yet. I'd check it out. If you like fast-paced, yeah. tight FPSs, then it could be up your alley. It is, oh, nice. it is quite fun. I definitely want to watch. Yeah, mm, I look forward to hearing yeah. more about that. Um, well, anyway, Charlie, what about you? What have you been up to? Um, quite a busy week at work, so I've not played a whole bunch. Uh, did jump on Hogwarts Legacy again, um, making progress slowly through that. Um, nice. A little bit of Valheim yesterday. And then today it was my niece's four-year-old birthday party. Um, oh, lovely. Which was groundbreaking. Unfortunately, <laughs> that ground, ground was the village hall and the floorboards were rotten and I fell through. No way! <laughs> <laughs> you kept that a secret. Back up a bit. So wait, wait. What happened? I only feel like I need to hear like a step-by-step step account of what well, actually uh, went on. I'll, I'll set the scene. So okay. it's like... The, the Americans probably won't know if there's any Americans listening, but uh, the classic sort of village hall... Uh, you know, quite a British yeah, 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 traditional yeah. thing. Got those wooden, almost like basketball court floors. Yeah. Like, that kind of waxy, shiny. So I was sat on like some steps and you go up the steps to go to the toilet. So someone wanted to go to the toilet. So I thought, All right, okay, I'll get up. I, uh, I stepped to the side and then there's just a loud crunch and my foot's <laughs> fucking like... I don't know, 30, 40 centimetres through the floor. No oh way. God. Yeah, I've got a nice little, nice little scratch. Uh, That's a little saw. Oh, bless you. <laughs> yeah, there's a blame, there's a claim. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So was there, was there like a basement under this? Because I had kind of a vision just sent in my head of your legs <laughs> through the floor, like dangling it wasn't, it wasn't underneath. Quite, quite that bad. <laughs> sort of no, something uh, for, like something out of Home Alone or, or something <laughs> like that. No, just, just uh, I don't know, maybe top of my shin. That deep, nice. But, uh, yeah, Jeez. so interesting, oh, eventful. So was it was the party cancelled after that? Was it called off after that? No, to evacuate the building. Well, fortunately, no, it wasn't. She had a, she had a nice put, time, bless her. Put a couple of yeah. cones around it instead. Yeah, he didn't have too many panda pops and did a knee slide and fell through, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, th- I thought about that though. I saw a kid doing a knee slide, and I just thought if I did that now. My knees would be dust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. You're not getting up. So you're channeling your um, Will McKenzie in between us. You know, you know in that episode where they go go camping, he's just skidding across the, the floor. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you had quite an interesting day. What, what, what mm. about you, Connor? What, what, what you been doing? Uh, apart from work, I've tried out the new Hit Hitman freelancer mode, which is kind of a roguelike, which is really good. I think mm. it's added some legs to Hitman. Yeah, I'd like to play that. It's really good, dude. Like, you'll go... Uh, your choose a contract there's eight to begin with and then there's different levels to each contract so you'll go to certain destinations and it'll give you like the first mission i did if, if i missed a shot the contract's over oh okay so there's in-game currency that you earn during these campaigns so say you go and buy a new sniper rifle that gun will be unprotected similar to like tarkov yeah so I if see. you fail oh, the mission okay. Oh, okay you'll lose all your gear so like um dmz so, yeah. on um yeah uh, modern warfare 2 okay that's cool yeah, cool that's a good comparison. interesting yeah it's, I've really enjoyed it. Is there any like proceduralness to it? Proceduralness. <laughs> but are the missions are they are the missions like pre-designed or is it like I a random like a semi-open world thing? 
the maps are pre-designed so it'd be the locations for this trilogy and then it'll be similar to like contracts like the contracts just change like uh, the community's really good at making um contracts for the game and awesome. then i think it's similar to like escalation where you can repeat it but it'll be the targets will change maybe you have to, the outfit will change the way you yeah. kill them will change okay it's okay. like that so yeah it's really good really enjoyed that yeah. and then um atomic heart like ben as well yeah which really is fantastic. good game. wicked nice how about yourself james uh well i haven't really been up to too much working as usual uh last night though me and my girlfriend we stayed or well, we spent the night in an off-grid eco hut it's quite cool it was yeah it wasn't too far away it was, it was about a 45 minute drive away it's just nice to have kind of a night away sort of completely disconnect yeah i love it yeah i was gonna say did you like did you fully commit and like sort of phones off the mobile phones and well I wanted to sort of listen to music while we were there. So I did bring oh, okay. my laptop and just had sort of Spotify hotspotting off my phone and just sort of played, played music from that. And um, that's fair. Yeah, I bought my laptop mm. as well because he wanted to watch. We, we really like Outer Banks at the moment. I don't know if anyone watches that on Netflix. It's a really corny show about <laughs> kids that are like treasure hunters. Um, but they get involved in like gang stuff and it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good though. It's, it's really entertaining. So we watched a few episodes of that sort of while we nodded off for bed. But the hut was pretty cool. It was completely disconnected. Had like a composting toilet and everything. Yeah. Um, it didn't even have solar. So I guess, I don't know if you can call it an eco hut. It's basically just a fucking shed to be honest. But it was nice. So, um, had a had a log burner in it. Shed with a price tag. Yeah, literally. Had um, a log burner in it. So we just sat by the fire and ate some food and chilled out. Watched a couple lovely. of episodes of Our Banks and went to bed. Yeah, oh, sounds really nice. Yeah, yeah pretty nice. Lovely, dude. Mm. Yeah, but in terms of the gaming stuff, not really been doing too much. Um, still playing Hogwarts Legacy, and I'm not gonna buy a new game until I've finished it. That's my thing now. Whenever I start a new game, I'm gonna try and just finish it or at least get a respectable way through it to the point where I know that I can move on from it without any sort yeah. of regrets over wasting mm. money on it if it's like good or bad or whatever. So, uh, yeah, very nice. Right, well, coming up later on, we'll be officially opening the Checkpoint Radio Hall of Fame. But before that, should we uh, have a little chat about the news? Let's do it. So first up, we've got our first proper look and deep dive into Rocksteady Studios' next big game, Suicide mm. Squad Kill the Justice League. We've all seen the gameplay reveal. It was shown off at PlayStation's most recent state of play. Um, I guess let's just go around and get everyone's initial reactions to, to it. What did we think? Ben, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I thought it looked really good, to be honest. I really think that they've nailed it again. Well, by the looks of it, I'll just see when I get our hands on it. But yeah, I think the trailer looked really promising. Rocksteady have proved to me in the past, proved to all of us, I can probably say, that they make great games and it looks to be exactly that again. I love the way the movement looked. I love the co-op aspect, the different characters and their abilities. Can't wait for all of us to get our hands on it and hopefully play together. Yeah, because yeah. it is, well, you should just say it is, a f it is described by Rocksteady as a four-player co-op shooter. I don't know if you want to call it a looter shooter, but there is yeah. kind of loot elements like in the game. adventure, isn't it? Yeah, and you get um, sort of customization options for your guns and for your um, for your, your gear and equipment. But like, make no mistake, this is described as a third-person action shooter. So it's a shooter game. It's not like you know the Arkham games, which were kind of stealth-based mm. action games, hand-to-hand. -hand. 
Yeah, exactly. And I guess that kind of relates to the fact that you're not playing as Batman in this. You're playing as the four villains, uh, Deadshot, mm. King Shark, Captain Boomerang and Harley Quinn, all with very different kind of fighting styles. But because, you know, the story kind of sets up this, you know, you versus the Justice League, I guess it's no hold barred now. The, the guns are coming out, everything's coming out. So that's whatever yeah. equipment they can use. Charlie, Connor, what, what did you guys think of this game? I think the gear score reminds me of the division a bit. I thought the trailer looked quite underwhelming, to be honest. I think the characters look good. I think the world looks good. I like the sound of the game, but they were going on about like all the um, characters got different play styles and every character just swung across the screen and shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, completely so. agree with you there. Like, I think ben, ben was saying that he was looking at it quite positively. That's not how I saw it. Okay, go on. Like, I think it was the trailer. I think because I've seen two bits of it and the gameplay is completely different, but the trailer that they put out is like the combat one. It was the same yeah. stuff over and over again. I, mm. I just didn't feel like there was anything really exciting there. It seemed like it's just like shoot these people, shoot this purple bit on whatever vehicle is on the screen. Yeah, yeah. And it it it, it didn't really. It's just not intriguing for me. And as mm. Connor said, the characters. They're described as being all so different. They all look the same. You're all shooting. You've all got some sort of flight hover sort yeah. of aerial. It it just doesn't they doesn't seem as diverse as perhaps what they're saying is. I do think it's just a terrible trailer. I think I've like Ben said with Rocksteady, like I I'm a fan of the Batman games. I think the combat got quite tedious after three games, but they can make a really good game and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And I, but I wouldn't yeah. play that game solo. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I, I was definitely surprised with the way the game was marketed and the kind of just the, the general sort of mechanics of the game as well. And I, I actually <clears> completely <throat> agree with both of you saying it definitely looked a little samey and it looked like all the characters, yeah, they say they're different and they've got different abilities, but at the end of the day, they're all using guns. And like you've rightly said, Charlie, they're all swinging around from the rooftops while they're doing it. So the kind of traversal mechanics and the shooting mechanics look the same for everyone. But I guess that was sort of the point of what they were going for. And I think perhaps the diversity of the characters might come with the melee combat because there is melee combat in the game. And obviously King Shark's sort of described as like the tank, mm. the brute of the group. Yeah. Um, Harley's a bit more sort of acrobatic and a bit more skillful with a sort of fighting style i just didn't really understand why she's swinging around like she's spider-man <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know right. i'm guessing it's a gadgets from the from the task force x headquarters i suppose well i guess we should also mention that the game is actually a live service game and there will be a battle mm. pass obviously yeah. a lot of people were sort of put off by the fact that that was was stated by the studio but just to be clear for anyone who's listening to this the battle pass will contain cosmetic items only which I guess is fine if you want to pay yeah, for... Yeah, I think that's the way to do a battle pass in a game like that. You can't yeah. lock any content behind it with with, yeah. with money. It just has to be cosmetic. That's fine mm. by me. 90% of games have got battle passes now, so it's not a big deal yeah. anymore, I don't think. As long as it's not pay to win. Then mm. yeah. Yeah. They're looking to keep bringing content into the game, and I suppose... They said in the IGN preview, it quite made a big point, like, we're going to continue to produce content and look after yeah. this game for years to come. And so that's just their way to, to monetize it for the future and for the foreseeable. So I can yeah. see, I can see like the reason behind it, but I'm hopeful still. I still think this game's, I hope mm. that it 
sort of beats both, well, all three of your expectations, but we shall see. I do. So. The DC fanboy in me is going to, I'm going to get this game anyway. Yeah. I like the characters too much. At the beginning of, of the year, this was one of my most sort of hyped games of the year. And admittedly, the sort of reliance on online play and the battle pass and stuff, yeah, it has put me off a little bit and I was not expecting it to be a shooter at all. But, mm. you know, I'm willing to give Rocksteady the benefit of the doubt. As you rightly said, Ben, they've earned our trust. They've, yeah. they, they are fantastic game developers. They've made some really, really sort of groundbreaking games, um, particularly in that sort of third-person action game. So, yeah, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. And from what I've seen from the story, the characters look really interesting in the story, like the way they talk and interact with each other. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Um, I'm a big fan of Harley Quinn and Captain Boomerang in particular. I think they're great characters in DC. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested in seeing how they face up to the Justice League. Mm. And Oh, another thing we should mention as well is that this game does take place in the Arkham universe. It's set five years after Arkham Knight, which I find to be really interesting. I'm not sure. I think I'm going to have to go back and complete all the other ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was reading on their website earlier that the game will have like narrative kind of nods to those previous games. Obviously, you're not going to have to have played those games to, to enjoy Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. But I'm sure if you are a returning player from, from the Arkham series, yeah. you will recognize certain things which is nice mm. also unfortunately it's kevin conroy's last appearance as the batman so yeah bless him worth playing just for that yeah. iconic mm. batman voice anyways what yeah let's move on um so nice bit of good news sons of the forest has been an absolute hit big yeah, time smashing it. shall i hit with some facts please do so sons of the forest has just come out it has surpassed starfield as the most wishlisted game on steam it sold over 2 million copies within 24 hours. It currently, when I last checked, which was yesterday, had 250,000 concurrent players. Mad. Uh, it beats Hogwarts Legacy in player count. It's still the top-selling game on Steam. And apparently, Steam crashed when the game launched. There was no official statement as to what officially caused the outage, but the timing was just too perfect. The yeah. game literally released and Steam crashed. So if that shows you the excitement for this indie yeah. game, if you like, it's crazy mm. what they managed to do. It peaked at 365,000 players. Oh my God. Which is mad. And it's obviously you said it's done 2 million. The Forest only did 5 million since it's been out. Wow. So it's nearly halfway there yeah, for that. It's crazy, isn't it? It's not even yeah. out yet. It's early access. Yeah. And we all jumped on it, didn't we? We yeah, did all jump on it, yeah. We've got a video mm. on YouTube if you want to go and watch. Yeah, video number two. Shameless plug. Tap the link in the bio. Shameless plug. But yeah, really good. Very immersive. Graphics are great. Apparently the AI has improved a lot from the first one. Not to say that the AI was bad in the first one, but they've improved upon it even more, which is great. And um, yeah, great fun. Very scary. They've just done a Reddit Q&A, which I read on PC Game earlier. Um, so they're working on Kelvin, and I'm, I keep calling him Kevin. Kev. So I'm calling him Kevin. He's, Ke he's Kevin to us. He's Kev. Yeah. Um, oh, is it actually so not Kevin? No, it's no apparently it is Kelvin. Yeah. Nah. Okay, calling him Kevin. Well, Charlie, the, his, well, if you if you go back to the, the video or even jump on the game and play it, you'll see on his chest is a name tag stitched in. It says Kelvin. Nah, I'm yeah, we, just dyslexic. It's Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're calling him Kevin. He's, he's our Kev. Yeah. So. PC Gamer transcribed a Reddit Q&A session. So they've got big plans for Kelvin, including expanding the task so you can complete, complete sorry, 
uh, including fortifying in the base so he won't just blow up your treehouse like he's I was going to say does that include <laughs> not tearing down your, your base <laughs> and then uh, they intend to develop Virginia's AI Virginia is the three-legged woman oh yeah we almost killed her apparently if you... I told you she was a friendly <laughs> yeah if you give her a firearm she'll become braver oh so I think that's um, so they're going to add a task to him and they've also got more pl- plans for cutscenes and information about the game's story which will come at a later date awesome. and they're trying to limit the ways in which players can grief other players in public service which is good to see if you're in there causing chaos for other people mm. what are you doing yeah. <laughs> what's wrong with you yeah so um, they're going to be adding crafting stuff uh, a boost in the variety of cannibal camps and the introduction of at least one enemy that didn't quite make it to the early access launch as well cool. as they're going to look for a way to traverse the map in a different way so I don't they're going to be adding some sort of a vehicle or hand yeah, glider or something like cool. that oh hand glider mm. would be awesome because they've got the yeah. zip line haven't they you can set well, up I think there were hand gliders in the first one. Oh, is it yeah, yeah. so yeah. they're going to be adding ways to traverse the map as well as Wicked. obviously it was reviewing really well IGN give it an 8 for an early access game I think that's yeah, really good snaps. and it's got why would you review an early access game though it's a bit yeah I know they need clickbait in it clickbait yeah and steam's got a mostly positive tag at seventy six thousand reviews which a lot of the time i think james you're quite similar if you want to know what games are you will generally go to steam yeah, over I'll like go to steam. and stuff like that because mm. people that have actually played the game not yeah. just people yeah. on social media that perpetuate nonsense about it so i've been i was quite surprised actually how i, I bought the forest i never played it yeah, I played it like <laughs> once. My brother, he played it for hundreds of hours with his friends. Yeah, and big fan. It, yeah, apparently it was endless fun. But Kieran, mm. he's waiting to... Well, he's waiting for the full release, apparently. Cause That's fair enough. Saying, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I completely get yeah. that. Um, mm. I think early access is a little bit dodgy sometimes. So we had this discussion, yeah. obviously, in the, on the last episode. But um, the good thing about this game, though, I think in the menu, when you start the game up, it's got like a countdown timer to the next big update which yeah, is pretty like good. That. So you're constantly sort of in the know of where the game yeah. is in its development and what they're adding to it next, which if you're going to do early access, that's like the best way to do it is just to be clear with the audience and the players, let them know what you're up to because, you know, they're taking a risk by giving you their money at this stage of development when the game isn't finished. So you owe them that much at least. Mm, so good on yeah. the developers for being... I like the transparency. Being transparent, exactly. Yeah, I think more companies should be that way. Obviously, if you've listened before, you'll know we play a lot of Valheim and the developers are always like, we're working on this, mm-hmm. we're working on that. And I think yeah. that's how these companies should be. I think the bigger companies should be like that as well. Mm. Yeah. It is very positive that at this point, I mean, the game's not been out that long, but we've already had all this information from them, like you say, from this Reddit um, Reddit post. Mm. Like it, and it ties in exactly to what James was saying. You have to be transparent and yeah. let everyone know what you what you're doing. So I think that's actually very positive. Yeah, yeah. I haven't just launched and run. Right, should we should we uh, should we move on? Um, final yeah. bit of sort of news we're going to be talking about. I don't really know if it's news, but it's kind of an opinion we've got. Uh, mm. Destiny 2's latest expansion, Lightfall, recently released. Um, do we think that Destiny has a problem with its content and specifically? the idea of the content vault. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Destiny has been vaulting content since 2020. And that basically means that 
every time they bring some new content in the form of DLC or expansions, they'll vault some older content to minimize one, the size of the game, two, to make it easier for them to uh, manage and balance everything across the whole game. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's like a double-edged sword. I understand why they have to vault content, but then I hate the fact that you can jump on Destiny now and the story has progressed so far that there's there's no chance to go back and play the entire story from start to finish. Yeah. That's actually one of the biggest put-offs for me right now because I haven't played Destiny for a while, but I'd love to go back and play the entire story start to finish, but it's just not possible now. But, but then again, mm. for the fans of the game who are playing it regularly, it's not too much of an issue because they've stayed consistent. And yeah, they're always up to date, aren't they? Yeah, and they're the they're the fans and the customers that I suppose Destiny and Bungie are catering to. Um, but yeah, it's a, mm. I feel it's like a, if you've paid for content, it should not be vaulted. No, no. And especially if you were unaware when you bought this content, that, that it that's would be vaulted. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's not like I don't know. It just doesn't this, quite I, sit right. No, I completely agree. I I only really have one opinion about this, and it's never going to change. Mm. Don't make me pay for more expansions and then take away the old stuff that I've already fucking paid for. Yeah, that is not right, and that is like I will never yeah. change my opinion of that. I I own that stuff. You cannot take that away from me. I've paid for that stuff. And I think mm. it is, I completely understand the whole mechanics of it. I understand that they've got issues with the file sizes being too big. The patches become a problem to release. So it's complicated to fix the game when it's that size. I get that completely. The least you can do is, I'm not saying you should reimburse the player their money, but you should offer them something to kind of sweeten the fact that you've taken something away from them, whether it's... Yeah you know, a certain amount of in-game currency that they can then spend on stuff in the game. That at least would be a, an offering because if Bungie offer players in-game currency, they're not losing anything from that because it's all digital. They're not paying for that. It's all in-game. It's all digital. It's not coming out of their pocket. It's just a bit of time to work out the actual sort of economy of it and the balance of it all. That's all it is. Even mm. something like that would much, would be for me, a kind of much better way of making this all seem a bit better because you know i don't if i've if i've bought a trilogy of games for example let's say it's uncharted one two and three just just because uncharted three has come out i'm not expecting you to take uncharted one away from me i still want to go back and play uncharted one at my yeah. leisure because i've paid for that game yeah. exactly yeah and it's it's not even a, it's not like a 12 pound dlc as well like a couple of years ago this would be in a full price game of 40 quid of life yeah yeah as well um they they try and get around it with seasonal strikes and stuff like that so you can go back and do story missions and also with this i think this hurts a lot more with lightfall getting panned not just by the media but like the players on steam at the minute the game's got well not the game the dlc's got overwhelmingly negative reviews mm. Ouch. the main story is the main issue apparently the plot is predictable the characters are unlikable or uninteresting the writing <laughs> is rushed and filled with cringeworthy dialogue oh no um yeah the campaign <laughs> fall for, this is something that i read 
The campaign fails to answer important lore questions and instead leaves players frustrated and in the dark. Despite being part of the light and dark saga, which involves a big new apocalyptic event, the expansion's tone is surprisingly lighthearted and fun, ruining dramatic moments with laughable writing. Like, that's crazy. I had an issue with the first Destiny with the lack of lore. You had to go out and find oh, things. Oh, the Grimoire cards. I, don't get me fucking started on those. Yeah, I assume that was an Activision problem. I, I don't think Activision are a good publisher. I think they probably rushed Bungie. Yeah. So if this is the last bit of content that come out through the Activision deal, or has this mainly been worked on since they've been at Sony? Mm, good point. This, this is the issue. If the writing staff's not good enough, like I checked the other day, Bun- uh, Destiny had like 256,000 players on it. Like there's still the player base there. So yeah. you can't, this isn't a waning game. You're getting lots of money. You've got enough to pay some decent writers. Yeah. I know this is meant to be a live service and yeah. it's a shooter and it's you're grinding and stuff like that, but there are players and I, me and James jumped on this recently. I've always been invested in Destiny. Mm. Even when it went to free to play, like I enjoy the world. The story has been good. I enjoy those characters. But if you are going to get players to jump back into it, why are you giving them this crap? Mm. Yeah. and then get rid of the content they love. Mm. There's only one apparently silver lining to the whole DLC, and that's the new class called Strand, mm. which right. involves a grappling hook and new abilities, and apparently it's a big win. Like, apparently this new class okay. seamlessly integrates with the current combat and excels it to a new height of what we know and love Destiny for the game mechanics. Feels great. Guns feel great. The multiplayer is always sort of one of our favorite game modes to play together mm. and apparently this new class is a is a really good addition so that's good I, s- I see someone describe it as a six hour tutorial for the new class yeah yeah <laughs> um but i do feel like i know well what you've said there ben about like the reviews on steam like, that doesn't sound good at all but i do feel like the vast majority of destiny players are like the looter shooter grinders you know they're not mm. really too invested in the story maybe they're more in it for like getting the best gear going into um the iron banner or the what was that thing when it's like a the the charge of osiris or whatever it was yeah going to these super competitive game modes uh, completing the raids and getting all the gear and stuff like that i think that's destiny's core fan base and yeah because i've never really played destiny for the story whereas i thought some of the campaign and some of the story missions were okay it's never really kind of wowed me in that department. Yeah, and taking what you said, people were apparently, and I completely agree, a, a probably a large portion of the players for Destiny do play the games for the loot and the new guns and everything, but apparently this DLC lets players down even in that front. So really. apparently all the new skins are just old models. There's no new models. There's no new skins. Really? It's just reskins of old guns. The system in which you get the guns is by leveling up this vendor, and it's just apparently uninteresting. There's no oh, grind; God. it's just like buying it. There's sure, no grinding for anything. it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. even in that front, the, the DLC lets players Fair. down. So, so Destiny, Destiny Two, Lightfall, and particularly the Destiny Two content vault problem. Big, big thumbs, thumbs down. down. Bad Bungie, do better. Yeah, they're such a good studio as well. It's that's what frustrates me. Yeah. Well, anyway, not to, to not sort of harp on the negativity too much. Let's yeah. let's move on. 
Now, we've all been gaming for a very long time, since the 90s, which was fucking ages ago now. Too long ago. <laughs> Too long ago. <laughs> and we have a big catalogue of gaming experience, from the Nintendo 64 to the Mega Drive, Playstations, Xboxes and PCs. We've done it all over the years. I'd say our gaming kind of knowledge, our gaming backstory is as long as it is wide. <laughs> so what we've decided to do is officially open the Checkpoint Radio Hall of Fame. This being the first edition of what will be an ongoing series that we will come back to regularly, where we dive into our rich histories of video gaming, pick one game each, pitch or argue with each other as to why our game deserves to be immortalised in this Hall of Fame, and then we'll vote on which one we think deserves it the most. The only caveat of this is that we cannot vote for our own game. We must convince each other that the game we've chosen deserves it more than someone else's. So mm. to kick us off, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Step up Eager. to the podium, Charlie. Let me shuffle my notes and get ready to convince you all that my game deserves a place in the Checkpoint Radio Hall of Fame. I'm ready. Okay, so my game, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add a little bit of mystery for the start. Okay. It was released in 2004. So I was a, a Great year. little nine-year-old <clears throat> playing this game. Nice. It was de developed by Black Box and published by EA. It sold 11 million copies worldwide. Wow. And Black boy, oh Box. boy, was this a great game. So I've actually got, <laughs> um, from YouTube, I've found the intro to this game. And I, I, I'm curious to know whether from a short snippet you guys will guess what the game is. Okay. okay. So. I know what it is. I know exactly what this game is. You haven't looked it up, have you? No, I know exactly what this game is. Black Box. I know what that song is as well. <laughs> it's Need for Speed Underground 2. Oh my God. Oh, Riders on the Storm. Oh. Let's go. I knew that straight away. <laughs> as soon as I heard that, I knew it straight away. Oh, if you'd have played, um, what's the tune? Oh, what's the tune? If you'd have yeah, played. Yeah, that one. I know it. Uh, I know all of them. And let me just tell you. Sweat drips down my balls. Oh, these bitches grow. <laughs> if you'd have played that. The soundtrack and the artists that featured on this game. Oh my God. Yeah, Chingy, Exhibit, Rise Against, Skindred, Queens of the Stone Age, My Chemical Romance, and that's just naming a few. The soundtrack on this game was epic. So Chingy, I haven't heard that name in a while. Yeah. yeah, so the soundtrack alone is valuable, and I think even that's just enough to push it into the Hall of Fame. I mean, I don't know what you guys <laughs> are bringing, but you, you haven't got a chance. Well, maybe maybe if you talk about the actual game first... You know, add some All weight right. to this argument because you might yeah. as well just bought an album to the to the to the fucking podium. <laughs> yeah. This isn't correct. I just look up the OST. I feel okay. Um, I'm now going to backtrack a little bit. I feel like this needs a bit of prefacing. So, 2004. This was like the age where the Fast and Furious films were actually good. Mm, maybe not, but they, you know, <laughs> it wasn't driving a tank in space or whatever happens yeah. in <laughs> Fast and Furious 700. Um, yeah, this is like family, mate. It's about family. Um, yeah. <laughs> this game, I feel like for the time, was actually 
quite groundbreaking. It was like one of the first actually open world driving games, which, you know, you take for granted now, but at the time, massive deal. Got a huge amount of different vehicles you could choose, loads and loads of customization. And for, you know, nine year old me that, you know, watched Fast and Furious, I was well up for putting mad bumpers and side skirts yeah, and paint. It, like, oh, crazy. Green flame decals down the side of your car. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I remember to this day, my favourite car, I don't remember actually what the make and model of the car was, but I remember the customization I did to it perfectly. Like, it was like a blue and green I guarantee it was, it, was a, it was a Nissan Skyline. I guarantee it oh, was, because that was the car that been. everyone end game, loved. End game car. You know, yeah. end game car that everyone loved yeah, in that game. Yeah, no joke. Sat or a Mitsubishi Evo. Ooh, oh, it could have been a good shout. I started off with a little Peugeot 106. <laughs> Had to be done. <laughs> Bad man Looking car. back now, like, as how my cars were modified, <laughs> I feel sick. But at the time, that was the style. That was like, it was cool. Yeah. yeah. It was so cool at the time. Like bright green rims with luminous green fire decals yeah, down, the, down the doors. Underneath. The spinner rims and yeah. <laughs> crazy stuff. Yeah, what an iconic game. Yeah, as I said, open world. There's different districts that you would unlock um, that each sort of offered different driving experiences. No fast travel. If you want to get somewhere, you drive that map. And I learned that map like the back of my hand. Mm. I could navigate. You know, you tell me to go from... Like a taxi driver. Beacon Hills, whatever it was called, to the city. (laughs) Downtown. I knew that. (laughs) Number one Um, rated Uber driver. Lots of different races. I feel like this is the first game that I experienced sort of drift racing. I was going to say, was yeah. this the introduction to drift? I think so, yeah. Drift. Drift. <laughs> Words drift. <laughs> That's DK. Donkey Kong. <laughs> um, yeah, like oh, just a really great game. I've got a lot of nostalgia for. Yeah. yeah. Lots of different races. Drift, drag, circuit. You had like the underground racing league, which is cool. Awesome. And it was yeah, a great as game. As I said before, the soundtrack, oh, iconic. I, I, I could quite happily listen to that soundtrack right now. I know what you're going to be doing tomorrow when you're driving your cement truck around. Yeah. yeah. Bumping the storm is what bump, I'll be doing. Bumping the Need for Speed 2 soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. It's just a great game. Like, no online for me. I think it was a, a possibility, but not for me at the time. You wasn't there yet. No, but my cousin and I both had the game and we'd like both be so excited whenever we'd, I don't know, go around each other's house, you'd bring your memory card and mm. like show off your cars and yeah, it was just a really fun, great game. Mm. Awesome, man. And that is my entry to the Hall of Fame. Well, round very of applause, nice. thank you very much for that. We, we really Ooh. appreciate your, your, uh, your input. Thank you. Uh, who's who's next? What we, We'll just look <sighs> at the list. Who's next? Uh, Connor, next up on the podium. Please <laughs> make your way to the front. So mine is a 1999, which seems like a lifetime ago. I mean, seven. Last century. Oh, you're such a child. Grow up. <laughs> 99 in the West, 98 in Japan. It's a game created by Genki in collaboration with Katsuya Kondo, who was a character designer and animator for Studio Ghibli. Worked on Kiki's Delivery Service, Ocean Waves, Princess Mononoke, to name a few. Um, it's called Jade Cocoon, which is uh, the story of 
Tamamayu. I don't know where I picked this game up. I think it was a random game station and I, I picked up the case and really enjoyed it. So it's like a more intricate Pokemon game mixed with like Final Fantasy sort of turn-based combat. Incredible soundtrack, similar to DVC, but this is the original soundtrack. I remember this is the first sort of game that I was sort of blown away by the, the cutscenes and the voice acting was really good. There's a woman in it. Michelle Ruff, who's like really big name in anime. She's been in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Naruto, Sailor Moon, Hunter Hunter, Pokemon, Digimon. So you play as a mute protagonist, which was always the case back then. I don't think any main characters spoke. It's like, right, just crack on with it. None of them were animated or spoke any words. You're in this village at the beginning of the game. Uh, so instead of like a Pokemon trainer, it was called like a cocoon master and the locusts of the apocalypse turn up and then you have to go out into the world and find a cure by taming beasts okay. taking down mm. beasts and then interesting your in-game wife would purify these beasts to find a like, cure it sounds really good um yeah it was just the potential of this game i'm surprised they haven't gone back to it it's just it's just special. I hear the soundtrack in my head all the time. Yeah. I've, do you know what? So, I've actually, I've never heard of this game. I've never heard of it. I don't know anything about it. I picked it up in a random like game station. I traded in some PS2 games, picked up a PlayStation 1 game, and I remember playing it, and my memory card had broke, so I'd just leave it on, because I've always oh, had to start at the beginning. <laughs> and like, it was, yeah. It's one of those, like, JRPGs it's got like a 15 minute generation intro. one <laughs> console gaming problems yeah, kind of got yeah. For that. yeah I had yeah. a game like yeah. that well it's funny you say actually Connor because it, go, it goes to show like how bad people's attention spans are because obviously you've highly rec- this is going a little bit off a tangent but you've highly recommended Yakuza to all of us several times I tried playing Play it. it like yeah I know I tried playing it um, <laughs> recently but the, the intro was so long and my attention <laughs> yeah. span which is like the, the attention span of a gnat. I just couldn't sit through it. I'd just switch it off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like these Eastern games, they're incredible. Persona's the same. Persona 5, which is I regard as a masterpiece. Yeah. The intro's well long. And I think Western audiences is like, oh, what's on TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the norm for that yeah. sort of Japanese market, isn't so, it? Yeah. So, okay, what's the, what's the one special thing about this game? Then why do you think this game deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? Um, I think it's... A more intricate Pokemon, and I liked Pokemon growing up, but I, you okay. play every game and it's exactly the same. Pick this Pokemon, do this. Whereas this one, you could find beasts, you can combine beasts as well. Oh. So you'd get these beasts, and there's fire, wind, and water based animals, similar to Pokemon as well. And you can create these beasts and they go around and protect. What I also liked as well is games of the time, if you run into an enemy, you'd have to fight them. Yeah. all the time like it just do that little <laughs> cutscene yeah. yeah this one if you saw in it um, as you was going through the map you would see the like the beasts and the monsters jumping around you could just tune it just go right I'm going to skip that mm. and that stuck in my head it's it's special I don't it just hit home it's not a long story it's 15 to 20 hours the character design's great the soundtrack's incredible um, the video's that they play like the cutscenes are wonderful, and that I think that all comes from obviously um, Kondo's work at Studio Ghibli. I, yeah, I yeah. don't know why a studio hasn't collaborated with Studio Ghibli again. It's a good, great, point. but wonderful world. Mm. 
apps. Yeah, it's the world. The voice acting is incredible. A good story. It's not a great story, but it's a good story. But I, the gameplay mechanics for me, for that time, just really hit home. So nice, awesome. It's well worth awesome. good. Well, thank you for that, Connor. We appreciate your yeah. your suggestion. Who's next? Who's next? Ben, Benjamin. you want to go next? Wanna, wanna yeah, I'll go, go next. next. James just wants to go last. Yeah, I'll he let him go last. He's just sticking our mind. No, no, it's not that. It's just that I've got quite a lot to get through, so I don't want to sort of like, you know, bore you all to death before we get to the end. Uh, ben, you go, you go first, Ben. You go first. Okay, my turn. I'm going to do the same as Charlie, but there's zero chance that you'll know what game I'm going to be talking about before I actually say its name. It came out in 2007. Okay, Yes, no, I'm joking. It came out in 2007, uh, made by a company called Gas Powered Games. They haven't made many games. You probably haven't heard of them, but they were published by THQ. And I've written a script. So if it sounds a little bit scripted, that's precisely why. But otherwise, I'm going to mumble and jumble and it's not going to make any sense. <clears throat> Imagine this sometime in the far distant future, humanity has split, surprise, surprise, into three factions. Technology is at the peak of excellence and space travel has been mastered using quantum gateways to expand throughout the galaxy. All factions desire peace, but their means of achieving it are divided. This is an infinite war that has been fought over millennia. The game is called... Oh, sorry, were we in that, Supreme... in that gap oh. where we meant to guess what it was? No, there's no chance. I have no, you try. I have no Supreme, idea. Supreme Commander. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, Supreme Commander. My brother and I used to play this game for, I don't know, years. Many a night spent battling it out. But I'll go into more depth about what the game is for those okay. of you who have no idea what Supreme Commander is. <clears throat> I, have no, I have no clue. So, what makes Supreme Commander so great? In summary, the game's main focus is on establishing a base and managing resources. It's a, basically a real-time real -time strategy game. Players must gather resources to build structures and units for their armies, which include a diverse range of ground mechs, aerial bombers and fighters, naval units and experimental units. With over 110 different units available, the player acting as the commander, is responsible for constructing a base and can also participate in battles when equipped for war. The game includes units of various sizes and roles ranging from small tree-sized mechs to towering skyscrapers and massive game-changing experimental mega machines. You don't play as the commander as such, but he's the embodiment of you on the battlefield. So you play the game as like a traditional real-time strategy, controlling all types of units. But if your commander dies, you technically die, if you know what I mean. Okay. One of the unique features of this game is its scale in every sense of the word. With massive armies and battles that can involve hundreds of units on screen at once, this creates a sense of epicness and grandeur that few other games can match even to this day. Matches support over a thousand units, with each faction having their spin of units of a similar type. The strategic depth of this game rewards thinking and planning. You might assume that with hundreds of units, you're just telling ants where to go and fight. However, depending on your plan, you can focus on building fewer, more dominating tier 3 hulks who will stomp their way to victory, opt for air superiority and devastate the enemy with bombing rungs, conquer the seas and rain down hell from the horizon, or quite literally go back to the ants and build thousands of smaller units and swarm the enemy. 
No unit is useless. No strategy is flawless. Just because your opposition has the experimental spider bot, a huge legged war machine which can crush smaller units below, amphibiously walk the seafloor, equipped with missiles, bolters and torpedoes on every platform, and let's not forget the direct fire experimental heavy microwave laser which can sweep across the battlefield obliterating everything in sight. It doesn't mean it will stand up against your battalion of tier 2 pillar heavy tanks equipped with reinforced armor and twin direct fire ghost cannons, especially if supported with parashields and airdropped into the heat of battle by your heavy troop transports. <laughs> Wait, the game is sick. Um, or one of my brother's favorites, as you can imagine, the tactical nuke launcher. I don't need to explain what that does. This game is the definition of the real-time strategy genre. Build, fight, adapt or lose on an unprecedented scale, all in real time. And then my final bit, endless hours of replayability, a thriving player base after 16 years to this day, wow. uh, thanks to the FAF community, Forged Alliance Forever, the game still holds out. Nice UI that makes managing all of those units an absolute doddle. Graphics that can zoom in as close and see scratches on the tank and all the way out to the entire battlefield. And it's actually got quite a nice soundtrack. It is like the perfect RTS. And I've finished my script, but I basically I'll talk about the player count. If you go onto Steam now and check the players, it's, there's, there's over a thousand people still playing this game from 16 years ago. Yeah, to be fair, it doesn't sound That's like a impressive. lot compared to some games, but yeah, that is really impressive. That's to, yeah. there'd still be a thousand. Well, the fact that the bloody servers are still online after all these years yeah. is well, quite something. That's, that's actually thanks to that FAF group. So it's like a mod that basically just brings the servers back online through the mod okay. and just enables people to play. Um, but yeah, it's it's an amazing real-time strategy game. You can fight with like six versus six, all players. One of you could prioritize the air superiority. The other one could go full naval. And um, it it really is like the one of the best real-time strategy games you could possibly play to this day it's amazing really good yeah that sounds Thank really good for that four mm. book script jr <laughs> Jesus it, no, I, if i so it's that was the abridged version <laughs> but yeah it's a really good game cool so i actually oh. have this game in my library mm, i'm sure i convinced you awesome. to get it one day yeah played three minutes and nope. mm. <laughs> pretty much i got so obliterated so quickly had no idea what i was doing but it is it, tough it, it does prove that yeah it is a very in-depth and yeah. thorough game nice mm -hmm. i just don't know what i'm doing so yeah <laughs> yeah awesome a good a good choice i think mm, solid yeah. choice well, thank you no, for that ben my pleasure um well i guess i guess i'll go next as i'm the last person here yeah so the game i'm going to talk about today for this first edition the inaugural episode of the checkpoint radio hall of fame the game that i think deserves to be immortalized is metal gear solid 2 sons Ooh. of liberty a game that came out in not controversial at all a game that came <laughs> out in 2001 and i'd like you to remember that because i will be talking about why that is important later on but before I get into the main point, I'll try and give you a quick rundown of the story and I will definitely try and make it quick because as we know from Metal Gear games, they are rich in terms of their lore, backstory, characterizations, history, etc. 
Yeah. So Metal Gear Solid 2 is a stealth-based action shooter developed by Konami and written and directed by the legendary Hideo Kojima. Uh, throughout Kojima's history of game development, the themes of identity, freedom, militarism, and imperialism are all present, and it's the same for Metal Gear Solid 2. But more specifically for this game are the ideas of information control, censorship, social engineering, and political conspiracies. So just to give you a bit of a catch up on the game if you haven't played it and just to refresh if you have played it, uh, the game takes place on Big Shell, which is a marine decontamination facility which had been created to clear up a massive oil spill which had occurred some years earlier. During the tour of Big Shell by US President James Johnson, terrorists known as the Sons of Liberty raid the facility, taking the president hostage and demanding a massive ransom in exchange for his life also threatening to destroy the facility and trigger a cataclysmic environmental disaster if the demands are not met. This is where the main protagonist, Raiden, comes into the game. He's sent to Big Shell by Foxhound, the organisation he works for, to rescue the president and hostages and disarm the terrorists. Um, in reality, however, Big Shell was a cover-up, and it was a cover-up to disguise the development of Arsenal Gear, which was a submersible mobile fortress developed by the US Navy with the ability to block, monitor, and tamper with internet communications, as well as housing thousands of missiles and a number of Metal Gear rays. So this is a big spoiler if no one's played the game and they want to know what happens and you don't want to be spoiled, then obviously switch off. But if you're happy to carry on, then carry on listening. So there is a big plot twist in the game where Raiden discovers that he is actually part of a simulation and a live test for the S3 plan, which was a program developed by the Patriots to manipulate world events and the decisions of individuals through the manipulation of information. The Patriots are a secret organization who covertly control the United States of America, initially formed to fulfill the idea of a unified world, but changes in leadership and society would obscure this goal and the group later to sort and achieve domination rather than unity. In the game, President Johnson reveals the existence of the Patriots to Raiden and admits that the United States democratic process is a sham. After discovering that he is in fact an agent of the Patriots and part of a simulation, Raiden then finds out that the colonel who he has been receiving orders from is actually an AI, the same AI that powers the Arsenal gear. So that's a quick Ooh. rundown of the story and I'll leave it there because there is still so much more I could get into with this game. Yeah. But I'll leave it there for now. Uh, as for the game itself, the game was quite rightly praised for its cinematics, the graphics, the gameplay, which were all considered ahead of its time. It had a movie-like quality to it with expansive, epic narrative, the use of the soundtrack and the sound design in general. And uh, I think we'd all probably agree with this, that the Metal Gear Solid series has defined the stealth action genre. And uh, in Metal Gear Solid 2 in particular, there's a real sort of crazy scene towards the end of the game where Raiden, Snake... Liquid Snake slash Ocelot and Big Boss have this showdown on top of Arsenal gear as it's sort of hurtling through the ocean towards New York. And it's just like a crazy sort of cinematic experience when you're sort of watching it for the first time. And the game generally is just a metaphor for the change of warfare over the last few decades of the 20th century, you know. So going from nuclear proliferation and the Cold War to the information and culture wars of today. So big commentary on sort of the way information is kind of controlled in society today so for me personally uh, it's one of the first games i played where i really felt engaged with the commentary it was delivering and i remember playing this when i was really young and not really understanding a lot of what was going on in the game but kind of getting some of it but it's not really 
well, it wasn't really until I got a lot older and sort of understood more of the themes and ideas in the game that I really started to appreciate what it was trying to say in the sort of comments it was making. And uh, that kind of led me to sort of believe and feel that this game has one of the most profound moments in video game history. And that's the final codec conversation between Raiden and the Colonel. And if you've played this game, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So in that speech, the Colonel basically talks about how society is reluctant to engage in any sort of conversation that doesn't align with its views. He talks about how genetics are passed through generations of people in the shape of evolution and how future generations inherit certain biological traits from their ancestors and compares this to how information can also be passed on in a similar way. Units of information, funnily actually known as memes, not to be confused with internet memes and funny posts that you can find on your social media page, uh, they're just, it's basically an academic way of describing units of information. So units of information memes can be passed on to future generations in the form of fact, opinion, or information. Your opinion of the world, for example, might be shaped based upon how your parents look at the world. For example, if they say something like, living in a city is bad because it's busy and noisy, and repeat this over and over and over through that course of you growing up, you will likely believe that too. So in the same way genetics can be passed down, information mm. can also be passed down too. The only difference with that is, is that information isn't governed amorally, as genetics is. As a society, we can determine what pieces of information we deem worthy of being passed to, another, passed to another person. This results in masses of trivial, often inaccurate information being accumulated every second and circulating around the population and, other in, and, and on the internet in particular, as there aren't many processes for vetting information online, as it were in the pre-digital age, where academic and educational material, for example, was written by experts. These days, anyone with an internet connection can get on Twitter and say what they want and claim it to be true. So the colonel in this conversation goes on to reference, and this is where it gets really interesting for me, online gated communities where people choose to mingle and associate with other like-minded people and won't listen to those with differing opinions or points of view and just disregard facts and knowledge if they don't align with what they believe. This is ultimately how the patriots in the game can influence society. Enough information is drip fed and spread around and everyone eventually just agrees with it because most people are too reluctant to challenge what they believe to be the truth. And that is extremely telling for the, where we are today in society. Bearing in mind, as I said, this game come out in 2001. So this is pre yeah. sort of social media. Um, given the current cultural backdrop of our present day, the advent of topics such as fake news, rampant political correctness, cancel culture and online tribalism, has imbued the messages in this game with a much deeper sense of meaning. The game was considered ahead of its time for dealing with concepts like post-truth politics, synthetic media and echo chambers, which have become culturally relevant over the past decade or so. You look at some of the big political events that have occurred over the last 10 years, Brexit, Trump becoming president, and supposed involvement of Cambridge Analytica in those events, it's prophetic in many ways, that conversation that you have with the colonel. He sort of predicted all of this, that... People are so scared of learning and so scared of being challenged that they will just perpetuate the information they have because it aligns with their views. And Crazy. so ultimately, it kind of compounds the idea of the information war. You can put out information on the internet. If people like the sound of it, if it fits into their narrative, they will repeat it regardless of whether it's true or not. So if wow. anyone has 
yeah, it's real fucking deep. So if anyone's listening to this and haven't hasn't played a Metal Gear Solid game, then I at least urge you to look up this conversation between the Colonel and Ryder from Metal Gear Solid 2 and just listen to it because you'll be enlightened by the philosophical commentary and maybe as I was, terrified by its implications. And that's Metal Gear Solid 2. Oh my goodness. Wow. Makes the rest of our games look <laughs> pretty no, hollow. It no, it doesn't. <laughs> well, I just like the game for me is just, it's, it's one of those, I haven't played the game for years and years and years because I've played it on, I think, the PS2 maybe when it came out or the PS1. I can't remember what console it was. But like I said at the beginning, it's a game that has really sort of, my appreciation for it as I've gotten older and sort of understood more about the world has just mm. increased massively because of the kind of comments it was making, yeah. the ideas it had back then. And especially so, how like the world has continued to fit the narrative that that game predicted yeah, almost. Exactly. It's, it's like now it's more fitting than ever. I mean, back mm. then when the game was made, the Colonel was probably referencing, or Kajim, when he wrote the game, was probably referencing online forums because that was probably the only place where you could chat to other people online. But now you've got, you know, social media, Twitter, absolute cesspool of incorrect facts or, you know, yeah. fake news or whatever. So, I found uh, a group of people who believe with me and we all believe together and no one exactly. can tell us otherwise. So, yeah, basically. When did you say it released? 2001. 2001, I believe. Yeah. Also, the marketing for the game is a complete and utter liar because it says you play as Solid Snake, but then you play as Raiden. The biggest double switch in gaming. Kojima's a liar. Bad game. <laughs> the game is legendary. You love Kojima. <laughs> I love Kojima. Kojima's yeah. my hero. He's done it all to teach us a he lesson. He can do no wrong. He tells you you play as Snake, you play as Snake. Oh, I'll play as Snake. I'll play as yeah. Raiden. But I'm playing as Raiden. No, you're not. You're playing as Snake. Okay. <laughs> yes, Kojima then. Yeah, very cool. Really insightful, James. That was great. Yeah. Awesome, thank you. So I guess now what we should do is vote for which game yeah, we think should make it. So as I said at the top of this section, we can't vote for our own games. So let's go around the group mm. and each one of us decide which game we think from the ones that have been suggested deserve to be in the Checkpoint Radio Hall of Fame. Ben, do you want to start? Um, It's a tough one because... Out of all the games that we've said, or you guys have said, I've only played Charlie's Pick. So that aligns with me because I find the game great. Lots of fun, fond memories. Connor, your game was a great pick, but I just... I don't let I just, politics get involved in this. No. And I Need, just, for Speed's, Need for Speed's not even the best Need for Speed game, let alone driving game. Use your brain, <laughs> not your heart. <laughs> but... Feel the, feel the nostalgia ben coursing Ching, through your veins. Chingy, Chingy is on Underground 2 soundtrack. When's the last time you heard Chingy? When's the last time you listened to Chingy? <laughs> that was a main selling point. No, no, That's no, why no, I played no. that game. Yeah. That's um, one of the main selling points. But then James's insight and the game of that depth is... Um, you can't ignore that. So it's a, it's it's a, a tough one. And I might... I don't know. Well, I you am have to indecisive. Pick. You can't not pick. You pick the most indecisive person to go first. <laughs> and I pick too. Right? Do you want? Do you want me to go? Right, Charlie. That's not even the best black box game. Skate series. You're out. See you later. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs> well, hold up a minute. We're going back though to what you said earlier. What's Fight the best Need for Speed game? Need for Speed hasn't been relevant in 20 years. No, no, no. But you said it's not even the best Need for Speed game. So I want to hear yeah. which one it is. Underground one. There we go. Fuck off. <laughs> 
name well, Need you for Speed games. Everywhere. Right. Anyway, Connor, Connor, let's 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 hear your decision, Connor. As Ben yeah, needs yeah. a few more moments um, to decide, Connor, let's hear yours. Supreme Commander sounds really good, mm. but that sounds like I need a field manual to play it. And you haven't got Tim Curry shouting space in it like Command and Conquer, so <laughs> that's a better RTS. No, they all sound like good games. Underground Two is a fantastic game. Uh, Supreme that sounds like a very good game, Supreme Commander, but I've never played it. But I know it's popular. I know it's popular for a reason. If you've still got mm. players playing after sixteen years, that is something special. Yeah, yeah, fair play. MGS Two. I don't know if it's even my favorite Metal Gear game, but it's so fucking good. It doesn't have to be your favourite Metal Gear Solid game. It's just got to be the no, favourite game from these four that, that have been pitched. Yeah. Um, it'd have to be MGS2. Come on! That's one I in think, the bag. I think that, like, the, the selling point, the story's fantastic. The selling point is it redefining the stealth action game. No one does stealth action like Kojima's done. Even yeah. to this day. No I one agree. does it. Splitting Cell's dead. Hitman's got stealth action elements to it but you can just go around and throw c4 in people's faces and run off and still complete the mission so <laughs> yeah it's mgs2 is special it is special so that'd have to be my pick okay one vote for mgs2 i like it i like where this is going uh charlie like, i don't want to go next you don't yeah, want to go, go next you go next james you got picked me i'll go next all right i'm going underground too easy come on go on charlie you just oh. got picked <sighs> So this is tough because I want my game to win. Of course. No, come right, okay. Let me let right, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Don't be don't be oh, I can I can tactically <laughs> You're vote. You're gonna tactically vote here. It's like the episode an episode of The Traitors, if anyone's watched that on BBC One. Great show. <laughs> big big brain moves. Make you go first to see where I stand. Um <laughs> No, I won't I'm as tempting as it is. I won't do that. Okay. Supreme Commander. Um, there's a lot there, and I can appreciate that it's a good game, but maybe it would take a long time for me to learn. Connor, just to rip off Pokemon. It's uh, better than Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon. No, sucks. I'm sure. I'm sure it is a, a great game, and you made a compelling case, um, but. I'm going to go with Metal Gear Solid 2. Oh, come on. Now, now, if Ben votes for Charlie, there has to be a decider. Ooh. Yeah. And we said we were going to do a challenge of some sort within the game. So this could be... This could get interesting. Ooh, challenge. This could get interesting. Power. But don't let that sway your opinion, though, Ben. <laughs> like, go with your gut. If you, if you want it to be, like, somewhat of it's a... Content, ben. It's content, Ben. You know. It is content. <laughs> right, Ben, have you decided? Thank you, Charlie, by the way. Ben, have you decided? You are. I think so. Oh, I hate deciding. Well, you have to. Um, you knew this. You've known this for like a week. I thought that it was going to be you easy to decide. You're the most indecisive person in the world. Just imagine you're, you're a kid. You're cruising around the city. Chingy. It's dark. Listen to Chingy. <laughs> like you're challenging people to street races. What a time to be alive. You can do that on GTA Online. Fuck off, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Right, come on. We need, um, we need, we're not going to be here all night. He might be. I might be. <laughs> we'll come back in episode ten. <laughs> um, right, Charlie. I can't give, pick. give give Ben one sentence. Why you should choose your game, James? You give yes, Ben one great sentence. Idea. 
or not even a sentence, final point. The elevator pitch. Why? Yeah. Charlie? Um... <laughs> All right, I think Mel is solid. <laughs> oh, yes. It has got to go in the vault. I mean, give it to Hideo. He, it, yeah. How how could we not? That's a strong pick. To be fair, I do feel like I cheated a little bit coming in with such a big game because anything by Kojima is it's going to turn heads. It's just such a such mm. a good game. But I think you know, Charlie. Because I did play Underground too, and I have very fond memories of that game. But even though I haven't played Metal Gear, a game of that caliber with that much insight into the future, yeah, you can't ignore that. And this is a vault, bearing in mind, of like the most legendary of games. Yeah. Also, to have a game that had to change its story after coming out of one of the, probably the biggest tragedy in modern times. And still be as good as it is two months before its release that's ridiculous mm, yeah. like from that studio from konami it's and kojima i think all of his games have got he talks about what's going on in the world what's going to happen in the world you see it throughout it's a, it's a running theme his social commentary i don't think there's anyone better at it in the video game space yeah i agree it's a well-deserved win and it takes our first spot yeah, congratulations to Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, for being the first mm. official game inducted into the Checkpoint Radio Hall of Fame. Round of applause for Metal Gear applause. Solid 2. Well, that was the uh, Checkpoint Radio Hall of Fame. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. But just to wrap up, not an awful lot of games we've got really to look forward to this month. Well, for me anyway, I think we've got Resident Evil 4 Remake, uh, Wolong Fallen Dynasty, which is already out, uh, available on Game Pass 2. But actually, significantly for Xbox players, Valheim is officially arriving on the console from March 14th. Oh, wow. Good for them. Well, that was episode two for Checkpoint Radio. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, then don't forget to follow us on your podcast streaming platform and also leave us a rating. We really do appreciate it. You can tap the link in the bio of this episode to see all of our other channels, including our social media pages, YouTube, Twitch, and the rest of it. We upload gaming videos and do the occasional live streams, so be sure to check that out if that sounds like something you like. You can also find a link to our community Discord server down there. It's a really cool place to hang out, talk games, and even find a group to play with. If you'd like to contact us directly, then why not send an email to hello at checkpointradio.co.uk. We'd really love to hear from you. That's all from us for today. My name is James. I'm Ben. I'm Connor. And I'm Charlie. See you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.